Come on, Amber. It's when stars go out each the, night. What? Damn it. Damn it, Amber. I don't... I don't know what... What? <laughs> We're doing Quest for Camelot today. I'm starting with the prayer. Why don't you know Italian? I'm so sorry. I'm so fucking sorry. I'm so... I'm fucking this whole podcast <laughs> up. I'm so fucking sorry. So anyways, yeah. No one's gonna listen to us anymore. <laughs> so anyway. it's, it's our quest to alienate one new user base every single episode, and this episode is people who know Italian and care very much about Amber Autumn knowing Italian. <laughs> so Robert, we've uh, that that is my goal with this opening is to get Robert very mad at me. Uh, but yes, hi, hello, welcome. It is I, Prince Devin, and my beautiful co-host. Hi, I'm Amber Autumn. And this is original podcast, Do Not Steal, a podcast where every week Amber and I break down your favorite intellectual properties, mythology, everything else that exists within the world, vague concepts, and create an original character within that space. And today's topic is Quest for Camelot. I like the idea of vague concepts. We should do an episode one day that's just like, like, uh, uh, like a, a religion OC or like a depression OC. Just like I'm so ready. Just like shit that doesn't actually make sense. <laughs> I'm so ready for a Jesus OC, dude. You have no idea. Religion OC actually makes sense. That's actually ooh. <laughs> that would actually could be good. Oh, shit. That's the one to alienate the most listeners. Um But, but today <laughs> we're talking about Quest for Camelot. The ni- a slightly different topic. The nineteen ninety nine Warner Brothers movie directed by Frederick Day Chow. Frederick de Chow. Uh, so, um, for most of these episodes, sometimes Amber knows more, sometimes I know more, sometimes we have uh, an approximate knowledge. But uh, when I selected Quest for Camelot, I did vestigious note taking and research. I, I have actually, I actually did research into Quest for Camelot. Devin knows what the fuck he's talking about here. I like. <laughs> So I watched the movie a few times as a kid and played one of the computer games a bunch. That's my, that's where I'm at on Quest for Camelot. So this might be a Devin talky hep- episode uh, because of all the notes I did take. Um, but two things. Amber, did you want to kind of go through the plot? Because I know when I listen to a pot, because this is interesting for us because it's the first time we've tackled like, uh, you know, mythology is mythology. And then the other two things we did are air quote long-standing seasons uh but this is just one movie so uh, i know when i listen to things that are about a movie specifically and they kind of don't go over the plot and it's not a movie i've seen i get a little annoyed so would you like to go for it uh beat for beat for the plot okay so is the is the challenge here that i am going to recite the plot for this movie that we're doing an episode on that i haven't seen since i was a child it's just like from memory see how much i can recall there because i could do that no because i i have the notes um. no wait no let me okay so it's so it's arthurian times there's some like arthurian shit going on and there's a big bad guy with a scary potion um that like trans that like can combine things he has a combinationatory potion um, and he combines a chicken with an axe, right? And then that becomes the comic relief character. Blade Beaker, um, yes. Uh, and we have a plucky young uh, a, a plucky young girl protagonist who wants more in the world. Kaylee. Um, uh, but she's not a princess. She just is a, a plucky young woman who thinks there's more out there for her. And then she goes into... Ah, uh, shit. She goes into a spooky forest. Yeah, the Forbidden Forest. there's... Uh, there's a lot of cool creature designs in there, and the bad guy's after her, but she also meets this guy. Garrett. Um, uh, and he, uh, he's like, oh, leave me alone. I, I'm not part of that life anymore. And she's like, but we gotta save the world with the two of us somehow. Um, and then eventually she gets him to go with her to, I think it's, I think it's just Camelot. Is it just Camelot? It's like... It's like a it's like a round table facsimile place where there's knights and shit. Yes, uh, we are um, literally questing for Camelot. I'll get to that because I've read. Uh, oh fuck! Of course, it's called Quest for Camelot. What the fuck am I talking about? <laughs> um, uh, they meet a two-headed dragon along the way. Cornwall and Devon uh, spelled with an O N. Uh, uh, they do some comic relief. Um, uh, shit. Uh, and then at some point they save the day. That's all I got. That's all I have for you. <laughs> okay, I can I can deep dive into um, a lot of that. But also... How did uh, I do? How did I do? Uh, yeah, you know, beat for beat, uh, you you laid out the plot <laughs> pretty well. Um, I don't think you missed anything. It was all uh, more or less accurate. Um, but also, would you like to start with Doug Walker slander? 
This is this whole this whole series is really just a Doug Walker uh, uh, tribute show, right? Um, uh, <laughs> please go, go. You talk, please. Okay, uh, because I just wanted to give you a chance to get a, a word in edgewise before I talk way too long. But he has the fucking worst review of Quest for Camelot I've ever seen. Oh my god! Even when I was a stupid kid, drinking the Nostalgia Critic Kool Aid, I was like, this review is bad because the entire review is just going. They aren't explaining anything, Herbert. It's like Doug, shut the fuck up! It is. That was actually a really good Doug Walker impersonation. Your voice really was doing the nostalgia critic thing there. But it's just it's so because it doesn't fundamentally change anything. If there's a scene where they sit down and go, and this is how the Forbidden Forest came to, you're still just in the spooky setting that services to fucking get our characters into intrepid situations. Shut the fuck up! And also. He's like, oh, they don't explain how the magic potion works when the f- Ruber's song literally explains the mechanics. <laughs> like, he has a whole song explaining how it fucking works. And the worst part is it's like my grandma-level criticism at the ending where, like, my grandma will watch uh, Shrek 2 and be like, mm, I wish the ogre stayed human at the end. And it's like, wow, wait a minute. That's <laughs> That's the whole point of the movie, but Grandma. At, but at the end, when Ruber stabs um, Excalibur back into the stone and, like, the goodness wave happens and everything is, like, reset, right? Uh, Garrett doesn't get his sight back. And Doug was like, he doesn't even get his sight back at the end of the movie. And wow, asshole, way to A, be ableist, and B, miss the entire fucking point of the movie. It's... Ah! Okay, what's... The- What's the what's the point of the movie other than uh uh other than like being blind isn't necessarily a problem to fix. Okay. Uh well, like what like what what thematically is going on there? Okay. Um well t- uh, I meant to say uh Miss Garrick's entire arc um where yeah, it is just being blind is not a thing you need to fix. He's just a person who lives life a little different than you. Maybe you should respect him and show some empathy. And that, my dear friends, is the heart and soul of the movie because Quest for Camelot is uh, a great title because it is a literal quest on the behalf of Camelot. They're trying to save it. They are all striving toward Camelot. It is a quest to Camelot. And uh, Garrett and Kaylee learn the ideals that Camelot represents. So it is in all senses Mm. a quest for Camelot. Um, Yeah. They're questing for the ideals of, like, they're striving for those ideals. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go through my notes real quick. Uh, so it goes. Go through your notes. Yeah. Uh, do you want the notes that are my takes first or the notes that are uh, my discovery? I think I can find ways to work in my discovery notes just organically from my take notes. Then then start with your takes and then we can, you, we can from there, we can springboard into like what's interesting about this that we can build a character out of. Oh, also, uh, full disclosure, I already have an idea for characters that I'm going to pitch to you later. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> because I spent way too much time thinking about Quest oh, for Camelot. Oh, you fucking cheater. <laughs> I'm, a che- I'm a cheating little bitch. Um, but it is 100% fine to throw those characters away. Uh, it's Jason and Morgan. That's their names. But then it became Aiden. Because I remembered that the that the that Silver Wings' name is Aiden. We'll get to it later. Is this an ASMR podcast now? Yes, it is. Um, but the first note I have is, oh, it's a communism. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just uh, I I was expect uh, and then parentheses Amber will laugh and then you didn't so. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, bitch. <laughs> uh you're uh you're finding me uh the second note i have is a uh, girl questing for her father finds his ideals uh um because in the opening uh between kaylee and her father lionel uh he is just explaining the backstory and then we get into the opening musical number which in true musical fashion um delivers us the setting before the events of the story and uh, the musical number really works to orchestrate uh, the themes of the movie. But in this sense, it's the themes of Camelot striving for this um, beautiful, idyllic society where needs are not met based on wealth, but uh, no, where resources are not allocated based on wealth, but based on need. Uh, everyone gets their fair share of the portion. Um, this beautiful goal to strive for. And oh shit, that's socialism, baby, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so then I wrote. 
Uh, so I was, I was kind of curious if we couldn't have uh, truncated both of these things because, uh, I don't know, it's your opening and it's your opening musical number. You could have, like, I don't know, just shoehorned in the exposition, but ah, whatever. Uh, but importantly, uh, when the first song, United, United we stand, now and forever it's true, divided we bum, 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 bum. The Irish band, the chorus, provide a lot of the music, um... But while this is happening, uh, we are introduced to Garrett, unbewittingly. We see him. Ha 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 Get it? I do. I got it. No, I got it because he's, <laughs> he's blind. I get that. I got it. Uh, we see him training, uh, which is a little uh, training to be a knight. So it's like this subtle little in the back. It's a little more believable when we see him doing cool things. Um, mm-hmm. Then we are introduced to Rubar, who is just the best villain. He uh, breaks the flow of the song because he's breaking the flow of the world. Um, and it's this Ooh. big it's this big number. The chorus is like, no one shall be greater than all. And then they kind of like break and they're like, valor, family, like list a bunch of virtues they're striving for. Uh, but when Rubar's introduced, it's none shall be greater than me. And he slams his shield down, um, which just immediately tells you, Everything you do or don't need to know about Ruber, uh, which leads me to my first fun fact. Let me get in here. Oh, I think he might be the bad guy. Yeah, uh, he is the antithesis of all of the the idyllic socialism and Camelot goals. And his lead animator was Alex Williams. And when Alex Williams talked about animating Ruber, uh, I don't know how well this aged, but essentially he just went, he's a lunatic. He's a madman. He's insane. Um, and so the way he wanted to represent that is he was trying to ape Herbert Lom in the Pink Panther. Uh, that's where Ruber's eye twitch came from. And it was just a thing that stuck out huh. to me um, because like when this movie has been in my brain uh, ever since I was a kid because I've watched it way too many times. Um, but the eye twitch has always been just a little uh, character tick that has stuck with me forever. Um, uh, when I think Ruber, I do think of that eye twitch. So that's just like, hey, shout out to you, animator. You did the thing. Even though my dumb child brain didn't notice. Okay. And then uh, Ruber kills Lionel. So then our villain, who is the antithesis of Camelot, also now has a personal vendetta against our heroine, uh, Kaylee. So, you know, his fucking his basic tenets of storytelling, the external conflict, parallels the internal conflict. Um uh, Kaylee, what a what a what a what an animated protagonist name! In it, uh, but this leads me uh, to my favorite thing I noticed up on the rewatch, which is um, in the scene where Kaylee finds out that Lionel, her father, is dead. Um, there's this fog, uh, this thick fog that rolls in, and it obscures the vision of all the Knights of Camelot who slowly have to pour in through it. And every shot is kept uh, down. It's a low shot, and we're only looking up. We're meant to be in Kaylee's point of view um, because the movie is fundamentally about empathy and this is the first time we're looking through someone's uh, point of view which will uh, which becomes the most important thing oh god I just remembered I didn't relook at the thing I want oh fuck we'll get to it we'll get to it okay okay <laughs> uh, but yeah that is a, this is foreshadowing but yeah that is a, my favorite that was my favorite thing upon a rewatch so I'm very happy I rewatched the movie I remember that scene, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we get the uh, I Want More song, which if you just go, this is a Disney I Want More song, I'm sorry, my friend, you have uh, missed the forest for the trees. It is on my father's wings. And the song is very important, not to establish that Kaylee wants more out of life, but it's to establish that uh, Kaylee hasn't gotten it yet. This is act one, and she's going to grow over the course of the movie because the song is a little selfish. It's a little about me, a little about what I want. It's... Uh, wanting what her father promised but not knowing what that means uh she has red hair because she's got a little bit of ruber in her right um and just a lyric that i always like from that song is uh, this horse's stride by one day's ride will have covered more distance than me i don't i have nothing to say but that lyric has just always stuck with me forever mm-hmm. I, I really like it okay you may you may have noticed at this point in the podcast um this show isn't actually really that much about the OCs. Um, <laughs> it's much more about us getting a chance to just fucking talk about movies and shit. 
Yeah, uh, us bamfing on movies. Um, but then uh, Ruber comes back, and I have a, a note that I scratched out in real time because Ruber's uh, reintroduction, he's in this all-red suit, and I wrote, Is Ruber red because he brings the fire? Scratch out. He's red because he's the devil, idiot. God, you're stupid. Um, you're not stupid. <laughs> but he probably is red because he's the devil. Yeah, he's red because he's the devil. Uh, I have a take on that when we get to the ending, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Um, but then we have Ruber's big song, um, and I have my note here is, where are we? Uh, Ruber is a, a self-eating snake. Um, but his big song is just Gary Oldman kind of talk singing, and it's really just uh, reaffirming his characterization. By the way, Ruber is so much fun. He's like, fuck everyone who's like, Palpatine has so much fun being evil. No, he doesn't. Palpatine's fucking boring as shit. <laughs> he is so fucking boring and not fun. Fuck you, J.J. Abrams. Ruber. Ruber is so fucking fun. He's a bamf, dude. He throws his sword down just to punch a dragon in the face later in the movie? That's fucking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) He's a rad motherfucker. Um, I was going to ask which version of the devil he is, but I think you've answered that question. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. um, So when he's singing this song and... uh, it's just explaining the uh, the mechanics of his potion. You drop it, and it will fuse you with weapons. Um, to illustrate that his men are so detached from their humanity and empathy, they will willingly throw themselves into this magic pit and become these inhuman automatons. Um, and it's also to establish that his men are fucking stupid because they are. And the last bit, uh, when Ruber's singing over the people chanting his name, uh, I just like to say a few words: "I, me, mine." because uh, do you get it yet? He's a very selfish man. Um, but then the the quest for Camelot symbol, which is these three circles overlapping, it shoots from the plume in the green, uh, because green with envy. That took me, tell this watch, as a 26-year-old adult to get that's why it was green. Um, but it turns into a snake and it eats itself to establish to us that Ruber is a self-eating snake. Oh, okay. And then we have uh, the prayer. And it starts with, uh, you'll be my eyes, because again, looking through people's eyes and empathy. And the prayer leads me to other fun notes. Let me switch to that note page. So the prayer uh, is a song. And I do think it's fair to say that the prayer is this movie's long-standing legacy. It's I don't know a lot of people who will be like, yeah, Quest for Camelot, but I know people who will be like, yeah, The Prayer. Uh, The Prayer was written by Colin Barry Sager and David Foster. David Foster describes it uh, when he talks about it. He's like, I never get tired of listening to it. I never get tired of hearing it. I never get tired of people telling me they love it. I truly created something that will outlive me. And uh, when Carol talks about it, she says uh, that when writing it, uh, it was everything she's ever wanted uh, this this uh human uh, the the base human longing for safety um and i think a lot of the songs in this movie work because they're so simple because her approach to writing uh she summed up one time when talking about her friend her friend was like why don't you use big complicated words why is it always about light and fighting yourself and she said it's kind of what i do I, sy- I try and synthesize feelings into their simplest forms and share them and connect with people um, and yeah, uh, the prayer, which is a, a beautiful song, gets me every single time. Um, it's used ironically here because it's a song about uh, human humans longing in search for safety, played over the scene where Kaylee is at her most vulnerable, alone and being chased by these vile automatons. Oh, uh, I, we didn't talk about the Griffin, and I want to talk about the Griffin for a second, um, because oh, there is a Griffin, yeah, yeah, uh, because if we didn't talk, if that Griffin wasn't in my life, we wouldn't have recorded the last episode. Um, that Griffin and that design, like he's got, uh, like his, his front half has like, like, I I don't know how to describe it. Um, like frails of fur that kind of like fold over and he's got, he's like front heavy and his back, only his back legs are lion or, uh, lion bits. I just, I love that design and me going like, what's a Griffin? And my mom being like, oh, it's a monster from mythology led me to discovering the Minotaur. And God, I can talk about the Minotaur for a second, but I'm not gonna. We'll get there eventually one day. Uh, Led me to discovering the Minotaur and King Minus in Greek mythology. So like all of that uh, directly comes from this movie um, just for loving that Griffin design. It's a good design. It's got personality to it. Yeah, uh, then we meet Gary. A lot of the the design in this movie has personality. Yeah, there are these... um, 
these like gargoyle ent things that are attached to rocks that are just really striking. Uh, my notes fall off here. Um, we meet Garrett and he, he sings a song about being sad. Garrett is played by the actor, is voiced by the actor who played uh, Wesley and Robin Hood and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, and my God, is that man charming? Uh, but yeah, Garrett is a, Garrett's a sad boy. He's a little hermit. Uh, he's a little hermit man because he was blind and uh, treated like crap. And Gay, they have a uh, tumultuous relationship. It's very clear that Kaylee is smitten, but Garrett's very standoffish. Um, and then he sings I Stand Alone, which I love that song. Um, my notes fall off until Devin and Cornwall show up. And I wrote that Devin and Cornwall are, um, what's the word for twins who are attached to each other? Uh, conjoined twins? Yeah, they're conjoined twins who uh, cannot agree with each other. And my notes are Devin and Cornwall can't run, right? Because uh, they're so bickering. They have this weird run cycle. But then I found out that their lead animator uh, based their walk cycle off of a Komodo dragon. So that's why they have that stupid walk that they do. Oh, uh, then my next note is it always comes back to Godzilla with us. Because when Devin and Cornwall sing their <laughs> big song, uh, there's a part where Devin, uh, Davin, da- no, Davon. O-N, I will fight people, uh, turns into Godzilla. Devin, I didn't know that you were in the movie. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, okay. um, uh, it's spelled differently. I'm on the Wikipedia article right now. Yeah. Yours has an I in it. Yeah, that's why it's uh, Devon, I will fight people. Do they actually pronounce it Devon? Uh, I don't know if they do, but that's how it's pronounced when it's spelled with an O. I will fight okay. people. <laughs> okay. Please fight with our please fight fight with the one person listening to this right now. Let's alienate the one. Let's let's really pick a pick a personal bone with the one person still listening. And uh, Devin and Cornwall don't harmonize in their big number. Get it? They they're too busy bickering. Um, and then there's just this bit where uh, the the Griffin who does have who's just named the Griffin. Um, he doesn't talk with his mouth full, and Ruber's like, "Of all the beasts, I get one with table manners," and that's a funny gag, and more characterization from the Griffin than I would expect. He's just a polite little man. He's just a a nice boy. By this point in the movie, uh, our whole gang is formed. They're running away, and uh, Kaylee's a little down in the dumps, and she talks about her dad. And then Garrett goes, wait, Sir Lionel, I knew your father. And this is when Garrett and Kaylee um, start working together because they found a common ground through the father being someone they both idolized. And now they can work together because they found common ground and empathy. And very important um, when when they discover this about each other and uh, during Garrett's backstory, um, the melody from Father's Wings comes back because... Now Garrett kind of, he can see it from Kaylee's perspective, right? They're starting to understand each other. And we're being told this musically. Uh, I like this movie. I Do you? Yeah, I like this movie a lot. Uh, my next note Fuck, is... I didn't know that. <laughs> my next note is, I'm just stupid. That's how blind people see. Because uh, at this point in the movie where um, uh, Garrett gets shot and Kaylee's blaming herself because she was being loud and he couldn't hear. Um and also, uh, beforehand, beforehand, Doug, you idiot, how can that leaf just heal people? Because there's a scene where Garrett goes, Aiden, the silver-winged falcon. I didn't talk about Excalibur being stolen. Who gives a shit? <laughs> but Aiden, the silver-winged falcon, uh, showed Garrett what will hurt you in the forest and what can heal you. And the camera pans over to the fucking plant. Doug, you fucking idiot. God, you're so stupid. Jesus Christ. Okay. I love the fucking plants in this movie. Oh, they're so pretty. The weird plants with eyes and shit. Yeah, they're all uh, pretty. I just love where there's a fucked up plant with eyes. Uh, the, yeah, they're pretty and purple and uh, drawn in kind of this Tim Burton angular style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, so when, when uh, Garrett is getting healed by the magic uh, plants, uh, Kaylee's feeling down in the dumps, and their, their romance truly blossoms um, because Garrett goes to touch her face and it cuts to this... Oh, it is a POV shot. Son of a bitch. More empathy. Um, it cuts to a POV from Garrett, and as he's touching her face, uh, this purple... The purple fog is being wiped away, and her face is revealed, and I'm like, oh, that's... Because that's how blind people see faces. Um, we've got a... We've got a, There's a fog motif going here. I'm, I'm wondering about, like, 
like you were talking earlier about the scene where uh, she finds out that her dad's dead and every and like we see the knights but they're covered in fog and I'm wondering if maybe there's a connection there to like like the ideals that the knights represent and being unable to attach to them in those in that moment or like like I don't know is that any is that anything um uh that's uh nothing I would have noticed but this is I'm I'm happy we can have this that's a that's a good point um but this leads into my favorite part of the movie that I found on a rediscover. Um, I even okay. sent, I sent a voice message to a friend so I wouldn't forget, but then I forgot to play that voice message before we started recording. <laughs> but anyways, um, hysterical in the song, looking through your eyes, which is uh, the heart and soul of the movie. All of its themes are being laid out naked before you um, in the big swell uh, when they're harmonizing and everything's beautiful and they're, coexisting garrett's showing her how to survive in this world um here in the night i see the sun it's aping the melody from the prayer and the prayer is a song all about uh the quest for safety and they have now found safety together with each other being able to fully empathize and look through each other's eyes because the heart and soul of camelot is empathy and camaraderie and brotherhood and love and compassion for your fellow man in a beautiful love scene. I love this movie. I love that it, hark- that it combines this new song with the old theme, paying off the promise of safety, and she's found safety with Garrett. I fucking love this movie. Do you want to make a character about it? Um, I have <laughs> <laughs> I have more notes if you want to go through those. You have those. more notes. I do. I have some um, more notes. Uh, we're we- like... We're like 25 minutes into this episode. I want to at least like start coming up with a character. Uh, do you want my pitch for characters? I would love to hear your pitch for a character. Okay. So uh, my pitch was um, because this is the first time doing just like a movie. I was like, uh, what, what would happen? Like, I, I don't want to create a character to shoehorn into the movie because the movie's kind of tight and just shoehorning a character feels weird. But I was like, oh, what if we did a sequel? What's a what's a really just standard original character trope we haven't done yet? What if we gave them kids? <laughs> For like uh, the, it's like a, it's like a shitty direct to DVD sequel. Yes. Uh, it would be called um, uh, quest for Camelot Two: Ruber's revenge. And before we get to that, um, Oh, of I, course it would. And uh, before we get to that, I was also like, what's another trope everyone loves doing. It's what if your favorite character was a bad dad? We did it to Aang. It's it's right up there with the trope of, like, the only thing that can redeem a hardened murderer is the innocence of a child. JPEG of Kratos and Last of Us and fucking Walking Dead, probably. I didn't watch the show. Who gives a shit? <laughs> uh, so my, my rough idea, um, because I have, a, I have a read on a... Because that was the continuation of my read on Ruwa being the devil. Um, do you want me to get into that? Uh, sure, go for it. Okay, because at the end of the movie, uh, he... He stabs Excalibur back into the stone, and the goodness wave goes over everything, and Garrett doesn't get his sight back because he's not broken. Use some empathy, Doug. Um, and Ruber is incinerated, but he's maniacally laughing while he does it, and his shoulder piece falls down, which falls back into the world, which you can either read as, like, people like, you can't, which my read on it was, you can't, you can't break Excalibur because Excalibur is an ideal. And you can't right. kill Ruber because you can't kill the devil. The devil is an ideal. And, like, the, right. the, the, the shoulder pad falls down because these people will always be here. But, you know, but the ide- what Ruber represents, this selfishness and unempatheticness, because human beings are inherently uh, self-serving. Um, if you put a person in a situation in which the only way to get out is to harm someone else to save themselves, they'll probably save themselves. It just takes some work to outgrow from that it's not that we're born good or bad we're born selfishly and you have to do work to exist in a society uh, that we have all collectively agreed to exist in um so you can't you can't really kill what ruber represents so that he could come back in my bad sequel um where we meet aiden and morgana and my idea then was uh you do the other thing you do the thing where like your favorite character isn't good at being a parent because uh, Kaylee's right. skill sets are not applicable to being a good parent. And then, you know, the the daughter becomes the father. Her father's defining characteristic was that he was gone, right? So she's always gone on adventures, and this time she's finally gone 
on a big thing and Garrett has to suit up one last time and he finally takes his kids on an adventure and through this adventure they get to discover who their mom was and reconcile with that and so it's like a uh, an indie film but instead of stopping at a diner and having a big fight where you yelled she left you behind dad and you're blind and then you deal with the emotional fallout with that you go to a den of ogres who Kaylee wronged in a past adventure and you still have that conversation but now you're also fighting ogres while you do but it now now there's an ogre thing happening as well also yeah and so it was a it was aiden and Mork and morgana um and they'd have like a sibling superpower where they can see through each other's eyes because i think riding with that could be fun and also do you get it now it's a now it's and a also visual it's thematic metaphor. it's it's yeah. thematic you've mentioned seeing through each other's eyes indirectly in a hundred thousand ways building up to this <laughs> uh you had this in, in mind when you were talking yes i did i'm listening to the words you're saying um yeah okay um uh uh i like that i'm into that um uh, here's my other idea that I was I was excited about putting into a quest for Camelot character that maybe doesn't make sense with the characters you've just pitched, but I want to say anyway in case we figure out a way to work that in. Um, but to me, the most like, at least the most like visually interesting like character design thing that happened in the original quest for Camelot. Um, were the uh the like soldiers who through a magic potion get a part of their body literally turned into a weapon um uh, and you have a potion that can like allow that to happen um the denizens uh, of the and, rebellion age which is a and, good play on words and i don't know having like having like a uh having a character whose arms are giant flails is really is it's really interesting it's really visually cool it communicates a lot about the character um uh and i think that having a potion that would allow you to combine parts of your character with inanimate objects can be used in more and more interesting ways than just literalizing that they are weapons um uh and 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 i know that's 100 percent disconnected from the things that you just said but that's that's the thing that I get excited about when I think Quest for Camelot OC. Um, uh, can we do some some magic transformations? You could totally shut that down. I'm hearing a lot of like I hear, I'm hearing a lot of non-response from you, and that's fine. Oh no, um, I was uh, I was just letting you get some wordings edgewise because I've been talking for twenty minutes. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I just uh, I think while doing research and getting excited, I was just uh, more ready to talk about thematic things. I noticed totally on, on a rewatch. Totally, um, but yeah, I do. Can I, I? I know, I know, we're doing the OC thing, but can I just bring up a thing really quick? Because in go looking, for it, please. Because in, <laughs> in looking through your eyes. Um, you fucking <laughs> silver wings he he recreates through water the symbol of camelot and it's because they got it now and i just noticed that for the first time and i'm yeah I'm 27 i'm just noticing these very obvious visual metaphors about this movie i watched as a kid uh there's a part of it doesn't want to pat myself on the back but then there's a part of it, it's like no one got bow <laughs> remember when no one got bow which is a very obvious visual metaphor Oh fuck yeah! I do remember when no one got bow. Yeah. Okay. So and people were like, "How is he?" Oh fucking hell! Also, are you twenty-seven? I think I think I'm twenty-seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're older than me than I thought you were. Um, no, wait, I but I feel tw- like I rediscover that every couple of years. Wait, I think I'm twenty-six. I don't. I don't know, man. Time's a lie. <laughs> Whatever. We just had a. You know, we we're just getting out of the time skip. Um, yeah. Twenty twenty uh, does not count. Yeah. So anyways. Anyway. Um, yeah, I have yeah. the, the direct-to-DVD sequel pitch versus uh, the thing that excites you about an OC. Um, so it becomes... I, don't, I don't think that needs to be versus. I think there's a way that we can combine those things to make, like, make my weird magic potion fixation be thematically relevant to empathy. Surely, right? Surely yeah. there's a way of doing that. The, the fun is uh, putting these two... Uh, these two takes together because art is a collaborative process. Right. That's what 
that's what this is. That's what this podcast is. Hey, um, that's the name of the show. Hey, that's the name of the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, like, I don't know. What are what are like some some objects that could that could thematically communicate empathy? Like a like a you could do interesting things with a mirror. Um, that's a pretty loaded object. I don't know how like how technologically honest to the time Quest for Camelot needs to be versus I can't think of any way that glasses could be visually interesting actually. Um, that was the thing I was gonna say, but it would suck. It, that would suck. That would not be interesting or cool. Yeah, I was um, also thinking glasses and then I was like, wait a minute, glasses are boring. So they like like Garrett's got his walking stick, right? Yes, he does. Oh, that's a that's um, a thing. That's a that's a fun fact that I didn't bring. But when working on this movie, they met with the uh, L.A. the L.A. Braille Institute to learn how to animate blind people, and uh, very importantly to the lead animator for Garrett, uh, learning the distinction between someone who is born how someone who is born blind behave and how someone who has sight and loses it behave. And one of the people they brought in to um, to help uh, kind of just photo map how that animation would work. His name is Lynn Manning. Lynn Manning, who is a blind martial arts champion. Ooh. Yeah, so that was just a... Took a lot of notes. I did research on Quest for Camelot. And Garrett Garrett loses his sight, yeah? Yeah. Like, uh, Garrett, Garrett okay. is someone who is born uh, with eyesight who loses it over the course of his life. He gets kicked in the head by a horse. Um, okay. And then... And then bringing back the fog motif, uh, the way Garrett describes it is first there were, I only saw, uh, first everything was phasey, then I only saw shapes, then I saw nothing, and that was my world. Anyways, using Okay, the... I can't actually, I can't actually think of a way to make my thing work. <laughs> um, uh, uh... You, uh, you could just, um, you could just have it come back to create more fun visual flares. We could learn about the witches because all we know about this witches is it is a potion that Ruba brought from some witches, and it's called it's an true. acne potion. It's true. Um, okay, okay. Wait though. Um, I just had another follow up idea. So the first movie is all about Excalibur, right? Um, yes. Second movie, Holy Grail. Some other kind of Arthurian object? Okay. Um, um, it could be the bed in which Guinevere and Lancelot... But... <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> the bed where Arthur gets cucked. <laughs> the, the... I mean, the bed's a little bit large. You might need to, like... Like, the strap-on that Arthur gets cucked with. Like, some, <laughs> you know, something more... <laughs> it's getting pegged, brother. <laughs> Um, that's the character that get magically combined with the dildo that Lancelot <laughs> fucked with. That Lancelot gets fucked with. Um. <laughs> to illustrate that Lancelot is being a huge dick fucking his best friend's girl, he becomes a dildo man. <laughs> oh, oh this, is a, this is a fucking top quality podcast. Jesus Christ. That's a dumb unrelated riff we went on, huh? That has nothing to do with anything anyway. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Lord. But yeah, I do like... Because uh, we already quested for Camelot. We already found the ideals. What if we just go on... Kaylee's on a quest for some other magical item and it gets stuck. Um, yeah, what if what if, what if if she's like going on a quest for the Holy Grail and the Holy Grail doesn't even fucking matter to the main characters? The only reason it matters is pulling her away from the protagonist. Sorry, this isn't anything to do with the OC. I'm just pitching a movie at this point. Um, uh, we have these two characters they can see through each other's sight how do they get that how do they get there uh, just uh, because magic babies just because magic babies yeah just because um, magic babies I didn't I didn't think past it because it's a because it's a bad sequel is there is there a, is there a visual element to that um uh, I I pictured remember the scenes in Toy Story 3 where Mrs. Potato Head would be like hold on and then cover her eye and then and then she sees from where her eye would be. That's all I was picturing. You know, this is a this is a great opportunity to make a couple of OCs with heterochromia. Oh, it um, is. Uh, right, like where it actually th- kind of thematically makes sense. Like if you have each of them have a brown eye and a blue eye, and like but like on opposite sides. So the implication is they're like like yeah, they, they have like, each other's eyes. They're they're sharing each other's pair of eyes. Um, like one yeah. of them has a has a yeah. 
heterochromia. That's a groove. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I'm pretty sure that's that's the that's what the word for that is. Um, it is. Uh, I I know that because uh, that's a groovy mutation. Um, that's from X Men First Class. That's a movie I like. Also, hey man, heterochromia. That that will tie into to next week's episode when we talk about labyrinth. Look at you, Amber. Look at me. I it took us four episodes to make it to make an OC with two different colored eyes. <laughs> <laughs> and we made two of them just to make up for lost time. Um uh yeah. Um What else? What else do I want to know about these shitty characters? They're supposed to be like like it's a bad sequel, so they probably should be like relatively undepthful. Um but I still want them to have some kind of a clear uh and compelling dynamic between the two of them, right? Is it like a sibling bickering thing? Is it uh they like understand each other and like work with each other perfectly to the point of having almost one mind um i guess it depends on what their arc is gonna be right what do they have to learn over the course of the movie uh my my uh, in in being an indie film um and aping their mother's quest where a, a daughter goes to find her father and finds her ideals i think they they go out to find their mother because she is lost and they find who she was because she was never around to raise them very much because Garrett was because Garrett uh, is old and tired of this adventure thing he spent his whole life in that goddamn forbidden forest well Kaylee got married right out of high school man she didn't get a chance a while out (laughs) in college she she wants fun so like Garrett was the one raising them um and I don't know I figured you'd have one sibling who is uh much more understanding to their mother's plight and one who is not uh, mm, didn't decide yeah. whether that's Jason or Morgan. Uh, but yeah, that was my rough thought. It's interesting. Usually when you have two characters who like feel differently about a thing who are the two main protagonists, and that's like a large source of conflict, my in- my instinct is to say, well, by the end of the movie, um, those two characters will come to an understanding where they meet in the middle about the thing that is the is the dramatic question. Um uh, but I'm not really sure, actually, what stance we would want to take on that. Like, we don't necessarily want to endorse that, like... Like, if Kaylee is, like, not paying attention to them as a family, like, that's not something that we necessarily want to say, like, oh, well, that's fine. Um, you know, yeah, maybe I, come to understand that. But also, like... I, I feel like the, 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 the importance in learning empathy uh, is to understand why your shitty absentee dad is an alcoholic and not necessarily give him a free pass. Oh, we're just talking about me again. We're talking. Yeah. I was about to say, we're like, <laughs> this is another personal episode, huh? God damn it. Um, but yeah, uh, my it really thought- is. Every episode's about Devin's dad somehow. <laughs> every episode is about my dad. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the lesson is, is, you know, cause you can learn empathy. Empathy doesn't mean forgiveness. It just means understanding. They can, understand why their mom is the way she is without giving her a free pass and letting it be known that she still has to earn their respect and forgiveness yeah so maybe they like they both already have like regardless of whether they're supportive of her they both already have like a set of preconceived notions about why she's done what she's done and then those get challenged over the course of the film Um, i like that so what does that tell us about their dynamic? Um, uh, uh, maybe, maybe it's like, like it's a movie in which people do a bunch of like fighting and martial arts and shit. Um, and so maybe they like are very good at that and they complement each other very well. And we can tell that they spend a lot of time around each other. Um, and they like do work well together, but the whole time they do it, they're also like arguing and that that's, there's 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 a contrast. That's that's very fun. I like that visually. Do you know I like swashbucklers? I like a swashbuckler. Because they're 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 telling us something about their relationship um uh by by their their banter and by what they're saying to each other, but uh you know, the the we can see through the way they're interacting um uh, a different a different message about what their relationship is like. Um, uh, in a way that it that it that it is different than the thing that they're saying it is. Yeah, that's that's a thought I have about their relationship and their dynamic. Yeah, I do like that. Do we want to um, assign what the what the difference uh, between Jason and Morgana is, or do we just kind of want to be like, 
There's a difference, they argue. Why are you calling her Morgana? Because that's an Arthurian name. Is it just an Arthurian name, or do you have, like, particular, like, um, associations was... with Morgana Le Fay that you wanted to... Uh, no, just just uh, just Arthurian name, and uh, cool. I didn't I didn't like the names Lionel or Juliana, who were uh, Kaylee's parents. Uh, so I was just like, eh, f- Morgan Morgan Le Fay, she's pretty cool. I'm fine with that. Ugh, I love Arthurian myth. Ugh, we sh- ugh, we I I want to do an episode of that at some point. Ugh, I would be into that. Yeah, uh, I, I do think no one's done it, it right. No one, no one's done it. Yeah, I do think it makes more sense for uh, if we are. I uh, hype, iping, iping, Jesus Christ, Devin. If we are taking uh, Morgan Le Fay to be more than just, hey, it's another Arthurian name and we're going to ape some of that, it makes more sense for uh, her to be the more cynical one because Morgan Le Fay is the woman who spent her whole life trying to murder her brother Arthur and give birth to her son who will one day rule Camelot. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think having like having Jason be like really wanting to forgive his mom and... Morgana not being as excited about that. That makes sense to me. Um, Because women are evil. Um, Yeah, women are the devil. Women are the devil. Fucking... It wasn't Adam who partook of the apple. Was it? I don't like... We're gonna get... We're gonna get... We're gonna get actual misogynists (laughs) listening to this. They're not gonna understand that this is a joke. I'm gonna... Oh, no. I'm kidding. They wouldn't... They wouldn't make it out of the Gilmore's episode. Um, oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, unless the unless Quest for Camelot is just a normally popular, but only in misogynist circles. It doesn't seem like it would be to me. I don't think it's popular at all. No one likes <laughs> we Quest cover for Camelot. topics that will get us noticed. No one has ever analyzed it as us. much as you have just in this episode. This is the definitive Quest for Camelot analysis on the internet. No, there's a there's like an hour long analysis someone posted it on YouTube. It has like 500 views. Well, our goal is to beat them. In 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 my in my Quest for Camelot, I have also learned who talks about Camelot. Okay, um, but yes. Anyway, ROCs. Uh, what other information are there? Any uh, visual yeah, components we would like to attach? Let's talk to about what these two look like. It, what are the, other than other than the eyes thing? Um, well, since we can immediately throw this idea out, but I just want to say it. Um, but since it is a bad direct to DVD sequel, you do the lazy, boring thing where uh, the boy Aiden and or Jason, I haven't decided, uh, looks like Garrett, and the girl Morgan looks like Great. her mom because that's the lazy animated love thing it to do. um uh let's swap it around let's make jason's whole visual palette based on kaylee's and vice versa okay so he's uh he's he's rocking some uh he's rocking some purple i would like to give him a red scarf as an ode to his mother who totally i like it i like that um and i I'm just a sucker for a scarf, and so Morgan uh, Morgana is all in green because Garrett was in green, and she's the the more cynical of the two. So we're aping back to uh, green with envy and the self-eating snake uh, from from Ruber. So we're uh, tying. And then we get in. to, um, uh, and then we 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 still get to reuse a lot of animation and have like a shitty low-budget animation aesthetic. Uh, uh, where they are just based on their parents' visual models, um, uh, but uh, uh, but it's a little bit more visually interesting and a little bit easier to headcanon that they're trans. Um, <laughs> the most important. That's the most bit. important bit of it. Um, uh, like she's definitely taller than they would be if we weren't doing this. There we go. That's uh, that is the misogynist be gone spray. Is just not even saying trans rights, but bringing up the trans. She's people tall. <laughs> Get out of here, misogynist! Women, no! <laughs> the SJWs are ruining my ability to have boners <laughs> at cartoons. Did the misogynist? Are y'all not into tall women? Is that not a thing among like the straights? Do they no what? no shut up you shut up you idiot because then she can be more powerful than me. I I just I want a girl to be taller than me so bad. That's that's like the main thing. <laughs> I like I go to bed and I think about it. I'm like fuck. What if there was a girl who is taller than I was? 
Amber is just horny for a tall vampire lady from the new RE. Not even. She's not even, like, she's just tall. And I get that she has tits, but also she, like. Yeah, big Did you see her big fat dump truck, Man, it's so hard to, like, like. Like, big titty, eight-foot vampire lady is such an easy sell for me. But they do, like, they give her the gray skin, and they make her look, like, undead and evil, you know? And I just, I'm, I'm not into it. It's not for me. Man, man, listen, 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 Amber. The best character designers on Earth are Japanese perverts. (laughs) And they came out to bat for all the horny internet weirdos when they made the tall internet, <laughs> when they made the tall vampire lady. <laughs> and those are our quests for Camelot characters. Those are our quests for Camelot. Yeah. Yeah. Our quest for Camelot characters, which was mostly me. Uh, telling people things I found this time while watching. Quest Let's give for each of them like one more like thing, one more like character trait, just to like just to make them a little bit more like I know they're supposed to be shitty and flat, but let's give them like like a quirk, you know? How every character is supposed to have like a quirk yeah. that they have that's their thing in these movies. Uh, Jason is in to animals because his other name in my head was Aiden. Which means he's named after a bird. So instead of being mad about that, he was just like, you know what? That's dope. I'm dope. Birds are dope. I'm gonna be into birds. I like that. Into birds makes... And, like, like there's stuff there. There's a falcon in this movie. There's a griffin in this movie. Having... That lets us reuse some bird animation. It does. We can, we can reignite the feud between Aiden, a.k.a. Silverwings, mm-hmm. and Griffin, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Griffin. Um... Uh, uh, Morgana, I'm gonna say really into cartography, uh, like a real map nerd, always knows direction, is always scribbling on maps and things. Oh, then we can have a thing where, like, she's trying to map out the Forbidden Forest. Like, that's her Ooh, big yeah. want of That would be quest. cute. Um, getting that some real Craig of the Creek I think, energy I think in we here. Have, I, I think we have some, some shitty direct to Oh, we sure characters. do. These are the worst two that we've ever made, and that's on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> they will never get worse than this and that's a that, that's a prince devon and amber autumn guarantee baby um cool i feel pretty ready to wrap up at this point um it's a slightly longer episode than usual but not too bad yeah uh cool uh this has been original podcast don't steal uh uh join us next week when devon tries to get us to talk about wrestling but instead we talk about labyrinth 1984, Remember, there are no bad ideas, only the ones we come up with, and we're professionals. We're not professionals. Um, we don't get paid for this. Uh, okay, cool. Uh, bye. bye. bye.